0: New York. It's Saturday night. NBC Saturday Night. Starring Robert Klein. With musical guests, ABBA and Loudon Wainwright III. No film by Albert Brooks, Jim Henson's Muppets, and the not ready for prime time players. Ladies and gentlemen.
1: Hello everyone! Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host, Scott White. I am joined once again by my good friend, Steph DeWagner. Hi everybody! And we're doing an episode from the first season of Saturday Night Live, the fifth episode, with guest star Robert Klein. I picked this because Steph and I are both big Robert Klein fans. Yes. I don't know how I discovered Robert Klein. I don't, I, to me, he's like one of those comics... That he's just always been there, like Richard Pryor and George Carlin. I just always remember.
2: I remember pretty specifically. I saw a Robert Klein special on HBO. I mean, at least that's what I recall. That's I, probably
1: where I did it
0: I, too. I, I feel, yeah,
2: I want to say I want to say it was Robert Klein at Yale, but it had to have been his one right before that because Robert Klein at Yale still in is still in my heart is one of my favorite stand up specials. Um, but that really cemented it for me. And then I also. Was aware he also was starring on Broadway in a musical around that time called "They're Playing Our Song" with Lucy Arnaz, and that's one of my favorite Broadway musicals. I did it for my final directing project in college in directing class. I did a big, like, thirty-minute scene from "They're Playing Our Song." So,
1: I don't think Robert Klein gets enough credit for being one of the best stand-ups of all time.
2: Hundred percent, and he's he's kind of a. He's an excellent actor, good singer. You know, he's got a good musical ability. Right. And yes, and he is an excellent. He,
1: he, it's always Carlin and Pryor and Lenny Bruce and and nowadays Chris Rock. But he never. I don't think he gets enough credit. Did you see
2: the documentary a couple of years ago that is, I think his son produced. I didn't about, see that. I'll have to find it for you. This must be a joy to do this podcast without. My dog Sawyer humping something in the background while we began. Yeah, we're
1: doing this at an undisclosed location. <laughs> that's right. If you can find, if you, you can have, find us, you have ten minutes
2: to find us. Okay.
1: Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a callback to one of the, one of the sketches that we're going to talk about tonight. So, this originally aired on November fifteenth, nineteen seventy five. So right around Thanksgiving in nineteen seventy five. Like I said, it's only the fifth episode ever. Of Saturday Night Live. It opens with Chevy Chase and Lorraine Newman. Uh, Lorraine has just won some sort of beauty contest. Chevy is presenting her with her flowers and her crown. And Lorraine is playing her valley girl.
2: Yeah, this is pretty much the cold opens for the, the first season with Chevy. I believe.
1: Doing something that would make him fall. I think except for the first. Oh, no, he actually did say so. I think. Every episode of the first season, Chevy said, live from New York, at Saturday night. I don't think he fell on everyone, but he that was one of the reasons where he became a breakout star. Every episode, he opened up, and then he had the weekend update. Lorraine, she's this valley girl, and she doesn't want the... Yeah, they say
2: somehow the pageant had run late, and so they're now... They're, but they still want to present her her crown, but then it turns into this sort of, like, hippie... Manson girl statement yes, of like, like I don't want
1: the crown. Beauty is like uh, beauty is just something that you know a man. Uh, it fits nineteen seventy five. Yeah, so she puts all the stuff on Chevy. He walks down, falls live from New York at Saturday night. So this was so early; it was before Dan Aykroyd, yeah, John Belushi, yeah, the, Jane Curtin. It was just but, and the not ready for primetime players and. They were all nondescript very very small print in the opening yeah
2: the opening would be starring whoever the guest star was starring robert klein yeah, yeah and
1: the first season albert brooks would usually do a short film <laughs> and in this one no film by albert brooks
2: uh, <laughs> another i think underrated uh comedian person. yes talent talent comedian, yeah. albert brooks Appreciated. I appreciated. Pay people, pay people like us I, appreciate it. I him.
1: think he's more, I think him and Robert Klein are more appreciated by other performers and comedians more yeah. than they are by the public.
2: The pageant made me laugh because this week I'm working on the Miss Plus America pageant being hosted in Houston this week. And so it was sort of funny. I had just come from a pageant dinner. So I, and I completely forgot that, like, pretty much every aspect of this episode. I
1: This was like watching it for the first time. Yeah,
2: yeah, I did not remember anything. You always do a good job of matching me with something I'll like, and asking me to watch something that I'll like. And a lot of times I've seen it 10 times like when we've done movies. But uh, this one, this yeah, exactly. I did not remember anything from this episode. Not a
1: thing. And we open up with Robert Klein. It, it's so much different. This, it's very, it's still very, very raw, the show. It, it yeah. hasn't found itself yet. Because it's just Robert Klein on the stage in the round. Doing a stand up. Just set. he just does a stand up and ladies and gentlemen, you know, Dom Pardo. Robert Klein. So it's
2: not the monologue that we all know on SNL now where it's you know, you can tell the writers have written a monologue. Now of course he's a stand up. He's a stand up. So like even Chappelle when he hosted last season, he did a yes, set. and
1: Louis C.K. and yeah. all of them who did that. But this was... Um, it was long. Kid. It was long because we did the podcast where Milton Berle was on there and he did a long monologue. But like the first season, they had George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Lily Tomlin yep. and and Robert Klein. And I think this was just... Richard Belzer? He was not. Oh, okay. He was like, uh, he was not a, a host. He was part of the, like, uh, when Chevy Hurt Himself he stepped in. Okay. But yeah, he does this monologue and it's very, mon- Marlon Perkins. And I think every comedian <laughs> well, from the seventies had a Marlon, at a Marlon Perkins. Well, man. the
2: first thing out of his mouth also was a classic Robert Klein thing of the twilight zone. Woo, woo, woo. Woo. That's a runs through years of his standup. He also, for some reason has talked about Marlon Perkins many times as well. <laughs> So it just, it, to me, this was like classic Robert
1: Klein. Yeah, I noticed he was wearing a suit jacket, and he had this nervous tick of he would put his hand in his coat pocket, oh. the the hand that wasn't holding the mic. So I guess even no to matter to
2: me, Robert Klein has a very specific uniform for forty years that he's worn, which is like Dockers. Uh, I, I I don't know what men call them. They're not saddle shoes. Remember saddle hush puppies. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Oxford's. Oxford's. Were, but, yeah. but they're the swag ones. Now, yes. Like, you know, uh, uh, shirt and tie, like, he, and then like a, he looks like a college professor all the time, some kind of corduroy jacket with the elbow patches, you know, to, so he's always looked the same. It's like he knows what he knows what he looks good at and that's what he wears.
1: Yeah, and like and like you said, this monologue goes on for quite some time.
2: Yeah, it's long for a monologue compared to uh,
1: SNL. And I think it's just, they're just new and they're just trying to chew up time.
2: You, the whole thought I had watching this, and I know you did a podcast with our friend Mariel, where you guys watched an early episode of SNL. And, Madeline
1: Kahn. Ma- Madeline Kahn, yes.
2: Yes, and... Um, you, you guys were talking about how like the comedy it's it's pretty dated it doesn't hold up and i was laughing thinking people always say whenever you talk about snl and if they don't watch it anymore people our age or maybe older oh it's so much better and it was so much, better it. It was so much better. i
1: was like i don't, I no, don't know no, i don't know it's different for, yeah it's different but that first season was pretty rough
2: and... And, and it is a comment on the time and they were being rule breakers mm-hmm. and rebels and you know they were supposed to be this you know uh 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 It's socio-political comedy, so it's going to reflect the times. Right,
1: and it's not going to age well. And and this this episode does not age well at all. (laughs) But there's some fun stuff. There is some fun stuff. And then after the monologue, we go right to the musical guest. Which I was like,
2: and Abba, so the there's two musical guests in this episode too.
1: Yes, once again, they were trying to feel things out, what to do.
2: So Abba pretty big music group at the time. Abba's big. ABBA, yes. This is like having this is this is big. This is like having the Jonas Brothers on now or something. This and- is like
1: but it was set up on the Titanic. Yeah, so first... I think this might have been recorded beforehand.
2: Well, yeah, because they come back to it later. They come back to it
1: later, but Robert Klein is the captain of the Titanic. Yeah,
2: I, I wrote down, oh, Titanic sketch, and then all of a sudden I go, oh, oh, it's the
1: segue to introduce ABBA. That's he... exactly what I thought. I thought they're going to do a Titanic sketch, but they go to ABBA, they start singing S.O.S. because they're on the Titanic, and like during the sketch, they... They go to Robert Klein, and he's getting sprayed with water that's coming out. So there's this, like, sight
2: gag in the middle of Abbas. I thought ABBA was pretty cool to go along with this, because I, I can't imagine a music gag now maybe going for this. But, uh, you know, this was, like, a big hit song. Right. Um, and, yeah, he's they're doing a sight gag with him. And it's live. Yeah. I
1: mean, whether I – mean, I don't know. It was recorded live because it's not – you can tell this by the way they sing it. It's – maybe the music might not be live, but they're – they're singing live. And Abba's always good. You can't, Abba, can't go wrong with you Abba. Can't, you can't go wrong with Abba. Abba. Abba, Abba. So then after that, we go to... Pong. Pong, which was <laughs> used before. I think it was used... Is this Franken and Davis? This is Franken and Davis. Okay. That's Franken and Davis doing Pong. Al Franken. Al Franken and, um, and Tom Davis. <laughs> yes. They were a writing team on SNL. They did sketches together. And this was just... The sketch was just... A, a Pong screen while they're talking about... So for
2: those of you who don't know what Pong is, yeah. well, first of all, you can Google it, but we'll tell you. Pong it, pong was like the first video game. Pong, I remember going to like Holiday Inns in the summer and they would have a Pong machine. And Pong was literally this black screen that looked like a, it had a little white tennis court outline and a little tiny little square tennis ball. And you, all you did was controlled your little horizontal, <laughs> I don't know, inch, two inch Person. tall... A uh, little line that was your paddle and you just were batting this little ball back. <laughs> it was ping pong.
1: Yes. Electronic ping pong. Slow as hell. Franken is talking about how he aced this test and Davis is saying, well, what did you get for the?" And it was the, the gist of the sketches. Is this, is this the... Didn't
2: they do it twice, though? No, they didn't. They no. only did it once. They only they did it once.
1: once. And the gist of the sketches. Midterm exam. Midterm exam. Al Franken is... He thinks that he's aced it, but he obviously hasn't. And <laughs> right, because
2: he goes, hey, did you notice that the true-false questions were in a pattern? True-false, true-false, true-false? And the guy goes, uh, the guy who's been getting all the answers right goes, um, I had false, true, false, <laughs> true, false, true. So, and did you know the score was changing yes. as he was getting worse, like as the results were
1: getting right. worse for him? Was- obviously film, because once again, this was used in a later sketch, and in a later show. It was actually probably used in the Madeline Kahn show. So they were already like in that first season, they were already using sketches because of the this, the breakneck pace of putting out a live show every every week, they had to reuse sketches that they've already used, like within the first season. This is super topical though. Pong was like,
2: this This was it. This is like every, like I said, every kid wanted to play Pong. It would be in resta- pizza restaurants and so this was like super topical even though
1: it looks charmingly old fashioned now so we get after that we get to Minute Mystery yeah. which is basically the first sketch right and it's like 20 minutes in right. without commercials so I'm right. guessing like this is, might be like a half an hour into the show right. we finally get our first sketch. where did you watch this I had it on DVD oh okay I watched
2: it on Peacock so they interrupt with like okay. 60 seconds 90 seconds of commercials yes.
1: on Peacock unless you unless you pay extra yeah So, no, I watched it on DVD. And I checked the time, and it was, like, 17 minutes in. And, like, we get our first sketch in 17 minutes. And it's Minute Mystery, uh, Mike Mendoza, crime photographer. Who's Dan Aykroyd. Who's Dan Aykroyd. And there's... (laughs) So the sketch opens with a close-up of Lorraine Newman, who (laughs) forgot that the sketch was going, because right before the sketch starts, she moves her head. She's supposed to be a dead body, but she very she obviously moves her head and this is one i don't i mean i know they did but this was one of the few sketches that had belushi chevy chase and dan Aykroyd in them all three were in i i think the most famous of those three is the star trek but you didn't really see all three of them (laughs) this
2: was funny too is because they said it was set in mexico city and nobody had a mexican accent no uh and it was supposed to be now was there I've read read things like this, like in a a magazine or a newspaper where it's like you read the little short story and you're supposed to solve the mystery. So that's what it reminded me of, where you read like the little half page or three paragraph mystery and it's like, now can you solve... Do you know how Sheriff blah 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 It stop. was also
1: they would do this in movies some movie producers like in the 40s or 50s they would just they would like stop the you know stop the movie and oh. it's it's been around this so what happens is there's a dead body Chevy Chase confesses the butler the butler confesses uh, John Belushi who's the police captain doesn't believe him and lets him go <laughs> They would present a clue. It's like, I know what happened to her, but do you know what happened to her? I'm going to let the studio audience, I'm giving you 30 seconds to figure out what happened.
0: Oh, what do you say, Mike? You know who I Nola Saxon, the flypaper heiress? Of course I do, Lopez. But more importantly, does our viewing and studio audience know? I'm going to give them 15 seconds to come up with the right answer, starting now. Time's up. I'm sure the more observant of you noticed that the way the pajama cord is knotted around the victim's neck, it could only be done in such a way that could have been found. I found the other half of the swizzle stick. You found the other half of the swizzle stick? Well, say, that changes everything. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's my camera? Who took my camera? Of course, I know who took your camera, but does our viewing audience? I'll give them just 10 seconds to find out who the culprit is. Starting now. tell the folks who the murderer is. Don? Where's Don Pardo? Of course I know where Don Pardo is. But more importantly, does our viewing and studio the audience. I'm going to give them one year to find out. Starting now.
2: So you painted all these different objects in the room. Yeah.
1: And they do it three times. That's that's just a sketch. It's just Belushi. and it's they pretty go, classic it sketch. It is it's a classic sketch because... Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd goes, Don Pardo, tell him what they've won. <laughs> and he doesn't answer and Belushi goes, I know what happened to Don Pardo, <laughs> but do you know what happened? Yeah, so I, it gets I, meta, and, right. so it gets meta in the in the sketch. It was- It's
2: actually a rare, it, it, it actually has a good ending, like as yeah. it ends, you know, a lot and, of certain
1: sketches will just fizzle out yes, sometimes. Uh, Aykroyd comes in with this big
0: uh,
1: camera with a big flash. But the flat, And I can't help but think that the flash didn't work because I think... Wouldn't that have looked better if he was taking these pictures and this big flash was uh-huh. going on? Maybe on TV, though. I don't know how it looked. To me, it looked like... <laughs> or maybe expensive to get what that worked. <laughs> to me, it looked like it wasn't... He's like... Because uh, Dan is playing it like a fashion photographer. He's talking to the dead body. Uh, give it to me, babe! Which sort of reminded me of the Bill Murray scene in Ghostbusters 2 when Bill Murray is right. taking pictures... But So that sketch ends, and then we get Garrett Morris in a bee costume, and it's the... A bee centennial. A bee centennial, because... Now,
2: do you remember the Bicentennial Minutes? Yes. I, okay, because yeah. you're a little younger than me, but... I remember being in school and as we led up to the bicentennial, the bicentennial minute was like the Shell or Mobile or Spirit of 76 gas station somebody sponsored it and they were commercials they were like little celebrity hosted bicentennial minutes and they would tell you a little bite of history, history. from the bicentennial but this was a centennial minute uh, with Garrett Morris in a bee costume In a bee costume and the bees were super popular characters which in everybody SNL. hated
1: Especially Belushi. They hated hated doing the bees. They hated doing the bees. Especially Belushi. He was like that. He would just say on more with that goddamn bee costume. The bees were funny, though.
2: They put the bees in all sorts of situations. They did. So I did think the bee centennial moment was funny because it was basically a historical moment that ended with a guy killing a bee. Killing a bee. I'm
1: going to. This is just repeating what I've. It, uh, Garrett Morris is like criminally underused in most of the sketches that I've seen along with uh, Lorraine Newman and Jane Curtin uh, until she until Jane got the, the weekend update. right. Lorraine Garrett and Jane are just like criminally underused in in, Agreed. This, in this episode. Agreed. Then we had uh, Laudan Wainwright.
2: Yeah, uh, Robert Klein introduces Loudon Wainwright, who apparently is Loudon Wainwright III. third. I had to look him up because, honestly, I don't know anything about I him. I
1: knew him. He was from
2: M.A.S.H. Well, that's what I, what I read on Wikipedia. I started to go to Wikipedia to read about Laudan Wainwright, and then when they said he had appeared on M.A.S.H., for a couple episodes, I was like, "I know who this." I is. knew,
1: I knew exactly. I didn't need to look. I knew it was when he started singing. I oh. uh, like, I remember him. He was that's that
2: a- folk singer episodes he- of Mash where he's like singing, like they they were cutting in and out. Like he would sing, right? It was like he was like a, I can't think of the word I'm looking for,
1: like troubadour or whatever. No, were,
2: isn't that the
1: no? He was a doctor. What he, he played a doctor in a couple episodes that just played the guitar.
2: He was not He
1: was not a troubadour. You're not, thinking like Cat Blue or something no, like
2: that. No, 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 no. There were these episodes of M.A.S.H. where somebody was singing and it was just sort of narrating the... Nope. Like, intercut... I'll have to, figure- I'll
1: have to find those. Because no. that's what
2: I thought it was. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, he was a character. He was a doctor in these episodes. He was only in three. Uh, but he just played the guitar. I didn't love it. His face looked like it was painful. It was like he was... The songs are just like
2: ah, they're comedy folk songs. Yeah, uh, this one's about this one was supposed to be sort of a tongue in cheek. Uh, America's having a birthday, but yeah. it's all like all these things about how how great it is for having a birthday. But he's naming things that aren't so great about
1: America. Yeah, which he does. So which he does in Mash. There's an episode where General MacArthur's coming, and they're like, "Can you write a song about General MacArthur?" And he basically does the same thing just making fun of General MacArthur in this song uh, that
2: he writes. Apparently, yeah. Loud and Wayne had this long... 26 news. albums!
1: I looked it up, too! He has 26... He, he, oh, scored, has
2: 26. he scored some movie, like, recent movies yeah. he scored. He did the score for... Uh, not the 40-Year-Old Virgin. Um, there's a, it's one of the films that's with the 40-Year-Old mm-hmm. Virgin. Um, this is 40, or something.
1: Um, but, yeah, 26 studio albums, like, four live albums. It sounds like, up. okay, hey! <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> And then we have this very, very short sketch where Chevy Chase is playing Greg Allman. Yeah, a
2: little blackout sketch that I actually thought was one of the funniest things in the show. I actually mm. thought this was
1: one of the funnier ones. It was at the time when Greg Ullman just broke up with Cher. Now the voice off screen, Lauren Michaels. Oh, Greg, yeah. Ullman, Greg Allman, how's your how's your sex life? Uh, well, we got a good idea. This it,
2: to me was like a classic born out of improv Sketch because it's just a game of him asking him over over Greg Allman, how's your sex life? Greg Allman, how's your sex or how's your love
1: life? Love life, sex, life. yeah,
2: and uh, and him answering and getting progressively more like getting the truth out of him. But again, very timely. Greg Allman and Cher were all over the tabloids, right. they'd been married and had a baby, and um. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, this is just a quick little what I call a blackout sketch, like sixty seconds.
1: Uh, then we have the Sam Peckinpah sketch,
2: where Belushi's playing Sam Peckinpah. Belushi's
1: playing Sam Peckinpah, directing a romantic comedy with a scene between Robert Klein and Gilda Radner. And The fabulous Gilda the fa- I tell you what, I love Gilda Radner. And this scene, I think you're supposed to think this is Belushi's scene. This is Gilda's scene. This is Gilda's. It's definitely not Robert's seat because Robert is just basically a piece of furniture in this. Yeah. But we finally see Robert in a sketch. Right. And he basically does nothing in this sketch.
2: Right. He's just basically playing an actor that's worked with Sam Peckinpah before in westerns. And this is supposed to be, she's supposed to be the actress that's never worked with him before. She's like, I'm a little worried. He's never directed a romantic comedy. So Sam Peckinpah is this gruff. Grizzled. Uh, okay, Western. for those of you who don't know Sam Peckinpah, right.
1: he direct. He was known for his violence in movies, his his realistic violence. So Belushi comes in, and every time Gilda delivers her line, he's like cut. After each cut, he would physically assault Gilda. <laughs> I was like you. Can, I was like you could do the sketch. No, now. you couldn't do the sketch now. The first time, I believe he actually slaps her. Well,
2: I thought this was interesting because knowing what I know now about how they were pretty misogynistic Yes, crew, especially
1: Belushi. Belu- the way Belushi thought about women not being funny.
2: And I thought, and knowing that Gilda probably was like, I'll do whatever to make it funny. Right. She probably went with it. Because, yeah, he first, he, he talks to her very sweetly, giving direction of, why don't you try it this way? Blah, blah, blah. And then kicks her. Yeah. And then, so every time he's talking to her very sweetly. But now, but, but as it goes on, she starts getting more afraid of like, What's he gonna do now? But
1: I swear, the first time he actually slaps her, that that's the way it looked. If they, if it, if he, he kicks did, her first. No, he slaps her first. Okay. And then he kicks her, but the kick is fake because she grabs the wrong leg. They, uh,
2: the, but it's all on Gilda's reacting. Yes. Her physicality is what makes it right. funny, and her reacting and starting to get more scared of what he's gonna. Because she's delivering the simplest line in the world. And he stops her every time. They yep. can't get any further than this one simple line. But then he kind of gets his comeuppance at the end,
1: right? So they finally get past the line, and Robert Klein is able to deliver his line. Blue sheels cut, and he walks over to Robert, and before he can hit Robert, Robert like. Punches him in the stomach and knocks him over, and he's blue. you like, could get
2: into some sort of uh, social commentary there of like how you know the woman just puts up with it and how a guy just de- deals with it like punches him yeah. back you know but yeah this was this was um, a good example of Gilda Radner's
1: physical comedy right you're in comedy and you totally stand up for yourself however you are also it's like well if it, if it's gonna make it funny let's make it funny right if we knew more that. It might not it might not sit so bad if we knew if there was like more support for the women on the show. It might not sit so bad. But as... Gilda
2: would also do a similar that kind of comedy, like that physical comedy in a different sketch. Like she used to do all sorts of crazy stuff. Oh yeah, and, and I mean, so I think about like her and Carol Burnett, and you know that. But I see what you're saying. It's like the root of this or the plot of this is caused by
1: a guy punching her and right. hitting her. Then we have um, we'll go to update, right? Uh, yes. Uh, wait, wait and, uh, Yes, uh, we have. Back in the first season, they would they would pan the audience, and then they'd put like a silly caption under it, and it says tulips. Oh yeah. It, tulips is the vodka flowers. Or, I t- yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah, so, yeah, as they would go to
2: commercial, they would just do like these little flash flash cards. And then
1: we were at weekend update, and the majority of weekend update was.
2: The whole first season was Chevy. President Chevy, but it was President Ford. And lots of photo gags, just lots mm. of jokes on, like, whatever photo was it, it, it
1: was very rapid fire. It was,
2: that's what I wrote, too. I go, boy, this pace is fast. Right.
1: And then they cut to a
2: commercial. The David and Julie Eisenhower joke. Again, they were just commenting on these, like putting almost like
1: funny captions on these pictures. Like it used to be like those old magazines where you would despise, they would just put captions. Yeah, that's exactly. He was just basically commenting on uh, Henry Kissinger shows Gerald Ford how to sneeze or something like that, just right. based on the picture that they had. But they cut to a commercial with Jane Curtin. And a, an actor called Joe Coe.
2: Oh, I was wondering, okay, because he shows up twice in the show, right? Yes.
1: He was originally one of the Not for Ready for He His name was taken off by this episode, but like the first two... Oh. Weeks, they wanted a couple of seasoned actors mixed in with all the newbies. And he actually, first couple episodes, he got credit as being a Not Ready for Primetime player. I seen he's an he's a old-time character actor. And this is the first time we see Gil, uh, Not Gilda, uh, Jane. Jane. And this is a, it's a Geritol
2: parody. It's yes. a, a parody of a Geritol. And there I remember the actual commercial they're parodying of my wife. You yes. know, she does this and this because she takes Geritol, which was a vitamin, of, like a vitamin supplement that came as a liquid or pill.
1: And this is just that. And Jane Curtin just falls over. She's just doing way too much. Then we come back, and then we have Dan Aykroyd as Frank. Tol- For the energy crisis. Yeah, energy crisis. Frank Toland. Colin wow. Oh, you know, I almost wrote the name down.
2: I didn't write it down. But he I was did, doing and like, I can't he, read my own writing. This was supposed to be like an editorial comment. So unlike Update Now, where maybe you have one or two, sometimes even three kind of guests come at the anchor desk, this was really like the only, this was the only
1: guest. So we'll talk about this later in the episode, but most of the time, this editorial fell with Gilda Radner as Emily Latella.
2: Well, okay, yes. Not all the
1: time, but most of the time. But here it was Dan, uh, and Chevy Chase is making fun of him behind his back. That becomes a running gag whenever somebody comes in as a, with a editorial. Talking about
2: the energy crisis, which again in the mid 70s '70s, topical.
1: Topical. Um, uh, then we had. Then we end it with the hard <laughs> of hearing.
2: News for the hard of hearing. That's a classic. Yes. First season our top story Garrett. Yeah. Garrett Morris which which was a parody of the like I'm, I remember like the early morning news and light news they'd have a little guy in a circle doing, doing sign, language. sign language yeah
1: so that was the joke uh, then we had the uh, then we go to the exterminator sketch so
2: this was my favorite sketch for Robert Klein Yes,
1: I thought he really got to like, he got action the shine. it he got the, and it's Belushi it's just Belushi and Klein they're dressed in
2: camouflage. So is this a parody of a movie? That's what I was going to ask you. Is this like I, some... I think like... it's just generic. But th- he's playing... Belushi's playing somebody in this, and I can't think who
1: it is. I can't... I think... Is that like treaty Lopez or something? A, I don't he's know. He's just a grizzled okay. veteran, and Robert Klein is the
2: So the premise pacifist. of this is that they're exterminators, but I thought it was a parody of some Vietnam movie or something because it's very definitely heavily shadowed as some type of Vietnam commentary.
1: Something like that, where Robert Klein has... He doesn't want to kill the roaches anymore. He's the,
2: he's the newbie, the rookie, the... Webby. He's
1: seen stuff, and Robert Klein has this classic stand-up bit about Raid, which he works into this right. sketch. Right. I don't know... It's worked in the sketch, so it was very, very blatant that they worked part of his stand-up bit into this sketch.
0: You alright, kid? Yeah, I'm I'm alright, Bugs. Come on, let's go. All right. You check the molding, I'll take the pipes. Do so we? Place as clear as a whistle, Bugs, and there's no cockroaches here. Look, they're here. I know they're How here. How do you know? Because I can smell a cockroach a mile away. Funny, I can't smell anything. Listen. They're dirty, stinking little sticky bugs. They are not. They're God's creatures and we have no right to kill. Now you listen to me. I'm gonna flush him out from over here. And we're gonna catch him in a crossfire. All right? Now be very, very quiet. I'm gonna flush him out. Quiet? Shh! Uh, Is this the right position, Bugs? Are you warning them again? You know they've got incredibly sensitive hearing? Warning? I'm not worried. That's silly. How can a cockroach understand that we have poison here? Can kill him in a second! Mm. Kid, what's wrong with you, kid? He used to kill with the best of them. I know, Bugs. I guess it's since I saw that raid commercial with those little cockroaches boogieing in the kitchen, you know? And then in comes this big can and annihilates them. It was disgusting. And it... Kid. Kid, I want to tell you a story. <laughs> It happened a long time ago. I had a brother one time. His name was Billy. He lived in a place of life like this. It was infested with cockroaches. One day, my brother Billy was after a cockroach that was crawling across the floor, and he went to stamp on it. And he missed the cockroach, and he stepped on a live electrical wire. And since then, I've killed millions of cockroaches, and everyone I kill is for my brother Billy!
1: Belushi's like, I'm gonna flush him out, you kill him. Robert Lyon, I can't kill him. It's But it's you
2: seriously could substitute You could seriously substitute cockroaches in this sketch and say the Viet Cong or <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's it's that's why I was like, is this a movie? I feel like I've seen this where he's trying to get him ready to, you know, kill the Vietnamese and he doesn't want to, and explains why, and then he tells. John Belushi's character tells this whole story about how his brother stepped on a, a he's, he says it, you think it's a landmine mm-hmm. but it's not a landmine But so it was every, an
1: exposed he, wire and every
2: time he kills a cockroach it's because of his brother and I'm thinking I've heard this I, <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up because I'll have to add it to when you post this on social media I'll have to add it because I swear Belushi is parroting a movie and I just can't think what movie it is because it, it wasn't Apocalypse Now or anything. He wasn't doing. Um, he wasn't doing Brando. He wasn't doing Brando, but he's doing somebody, and I can't. Well, think what it and is. then
1: Klein tells us all the benefits of roaches, and for <laughs> some, they and they cut to this roach walking, <laughs> and in the background is like all these things that happen. The timeline time and the, exter- the eternal crawl. The eternal crawl and. It might, I don't know how many times it took him to film this, but they got it. it. It's looked like they got it in one take where this roach just walks from one end of the room to the other. And it was kind of a weird cutaway
2: to this, like Robert Clyde explaining the history of the roaches in the world and, and why you shouldn't kill them.
1: And... and then they agree not to kill them. But as they're walking up the stairs, Belushi kills a couple. of them, Right. But that was the highlight of besides his stand up. That was the highlight of Robert. Well, no, no, you know what? It wasn't the highlight. The highlight comes at the end. Uh, then we had Gilda Radner as a fireman. Yeah, this was cute. She's all
2: decked out in a fireman's suit. She's like, I'm a fireman. It goes with it. And just Gilda's so charming and funny, and the audience just loves her already by the fifth episode of this mm-hmm. show. The audience already loves Gilda. And she just talks about being a fireman and very matter-of-factly being a fireman. And she says, you get a dog and you get to play board games and you and get you, to see people in their underwear. When a fire happens at night. And, you know, and very... so she, she pulls a, a, a notebook out of her boot and reads a poem that she wrote. It's just a cute
1: sketch. Then we had The Muppets, The Land of Gorch.
2: So this is another unique early 70s, or early uh, Saturday Night Live um, which they
1: also, which the writers also hated. They hated. They hated the Muppets.
2: I can't remember in the Saturday Night Live book. I remember reading it, but I can't remember off the top of my head now. Whose idea was it? Was it Lawrence to bring the Muppets in? Or? I believe
1: it was. And Michael O'Donohue, who was one of the writers, he was just like he he hated it. And these aren't. This isn't the Muppets like Kermit and Miss Piggy. These no. are other
2: Muppets.
1: That's. But you can tell that like the head.
2: The head. The voices are... The voice, the head voice is... The, the voices are Frank Oz. And, yes. And... and uh, uh, Jim Henson. Jim Henson. And, you know, but it's different Muppets. It's these, like, space creature kind of Muppets. It's a cute, it's a cute Muppet thing. But it doesn't... Be, it's and the so puppets of, are great. The puppets it, look They really look good. great, but it's so
1: out of place here.
2: That Oracle, like, thing that they go to. I mean, that's a pretty cool looking puppet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just weird. They dro- when did they drop the Muppets? Like, was it by the second season? By the
1: second season. I think by the end of the first season. Uh, by the end of the first season, they dropped the Muppets. They dropped Albert Brooks. I don't know if they dropped him or if he left. So, no more films. And, you know, by the second season, you could see them. They had worked out the bugs. And Chevy was gone. And Chevy was gone. Chevy was like in the first. He did a couple of guest spots in the first. But then Bill Murray's in. And then Bill Murray came in. And Bill Murray struggled when he first came in. And what saved Bill Murray, I guess we'll go off a tangent here, Bill Murray just did a sketch like, they don't like me here. So, And after he did right. that sketch, it, it turned around. But, but back to this one. Yes. We get another Robert Klein monologue. Yes. Where he talks about marijuana.
2: Drinking, drinking, funny out of a glass. Drinking funny out of a glass. Very just. I don't. There's certain things that are very Robert Klein to me, and that's like one of them. Just
1: him being funny. And and there's nothing much to say. I mean, it's just Robert Klein doing Robert Klein stuff. Yeah. Uh, And then we cut into a commercial parody, uh, the K-put stamp gun. The K-put price it right stamp Stamp gun. gun. Where you can basically set your own prices in the grocery store—is or... food too much for you? And it's the same. They did the same scene in *My Blue Heaven* with Steve Martin, where you just get a watermelon for two cents, a side of beef for five cents. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's just basically your own, your own personal the K-put price gun. You just, you just put your own prices on it.
1: Uh, then we have another loud and rain. There's not a lot of sketches in this episode, and I think. The performers were getting aggravated too. Lorraine Newman and Garrett Morris and Jane Curtin are getting no. Right, no, the- no, 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 you know, stage time. What? But but we have the Muppets, and we have <laughs> right. we have four music. And at that point, we had you know two monologues by Robert Klein, four musical breaks. Uh, I could see how that would wear. Well, yeah, Lorraine Newman was in the cold open,
2: and then she was a dead body. She was a dead body.
1: Yeah. Jane Curtin, that first thing she was in, it was taped. And then, so, and then she's got the she's, next She's sketch. got the next one, but Loud and Ray does another song and it's weird. And, and then the next sketch is Looks at Books. Looks at Books. And I believe this might be the first Emily Latella.
2: That's what I was going to ask you. Do you. I think this is the first the, Emily Latella as well. Because she's not,
1: she doesn't have the, the character, is
2: not there yet. I th- I thought it was the first appearance of Emily Latella. First... Now Emily Latella is supposed to be Gilda's grandmother, from what I understand. Um, and so yeah, this is Jane Curtin, where she'd be like, you know, welcome to Looks of Books. I'm Jane Curtin, and it's sort of her hosting personality. Jane Curtin, so classy, very very classy. She brought this sort of where where Lorraine and Gilda were maybe a little more boho or whatever. Jane brought this sort of waspy connecticut you know ivy league sort of you know uh uh cool you know uh cool in the sense of like a uh like an alfred hitchcock blonde sort of cool that's what i mean so she, yeah she brought a certain level of class to the show i think
1: and I, I always thought jane Curtin was solid the, uh, yes uh, jane curtain jane Curtin was solid and gilda Radner was to me the standout of the three women and i just don't think lorraine just didn't have a lot to do
2: but i just saw lorraine newman I, i've been watching Well, she does a lot of
1: voice work now
2: well i just i've been watching a lot of episodes of laverne and shirley lately they're running them on and so i, I a lot of times when i mean it just so happens i'm eating lunch and laverne and shirley's on and she was playing basically like a, a manson uh, uh one of these like 70s Um, uh, uh, Patty Hearst, Charles Manson sort of girls that gets you know Laverne involved in a bank robbery and they end up in prison together and it's that same sort of like California, you know, airhead kind of character, you know, which was kind of her specialty. But yeah, I mean, she's worked steadily, but you're right. I think a lot of it's been voice work. Uh, But the
1: looks at books. It's just Emily LaTella talking about
2: a little tiny I'm, it was she is the it's one. a
1: it ends with a small dick joke right yes that's how it ends uh, which she uses this w- in her her Broadway play or a Broadway production oh the
2: Guild Alive
1: Guild Alive the, she, this bit is in Guild Alive uh, then we have a commercial a commercial uh, Dan and Lorraine Newman are just <laughs> sitting at the table and a sandwich again yeah that's all we can afford And then that's it. It was like, and then we go to the International Diplomacy commercial. No,
2: no, no, that was part of that. That was the opening of the commercial.
1: Yes, but that's it. They're not in it anymore. Oh, right, right, right. But the idea of being like, you
2: know, well, this is the best I can do. How can we do better? And the idea is to become an ambassador. So you go to the ambassador. But that was a parody of all the, like. So and so institute the at home yes. school programs and stuff, but yeah, but they never go back. to They them never go back to him. That's like, what I that thought they would. Good, yeah. That's what I
1: thought they'd cut back to him, and Dan would be a, an ambassador, an ambassador somewhere, and she would be his wife. But they don't. And this is that. So what, this is what Lorraine knew. She's in the cold opening. Oh, that's right. She's a dead body, and she delivers a sandwich to Dan Aykroyd, and that is it. Jane Curtin is in a taped segment. And she is the host of Looks of Books. That's it. Right. Garrett Morris is the B, and the news, news for the hard news for, And that's it. Yeah. If they were aggravated at this, I could understand. <laughs> right. Gilda Radner gets to stand out as Emily Latella, and she gets her own sketch as the fire person. And she's in the sketch with the Peck and Paw sketch. And she's in the Peck and Paw sketch. Uh, Belushi gets to play Peck and Paw, and he is the main. He's the main character in that, and he's the main character in uh, exterminator. The exterminator. I mean, and Chevy, Weekend Update. Dan is scarcely, so Dan does the photographer and he gets his own. So I could see how Garrett, Jane, and Lorraine would be absolutely not. Right, because Chevy's got multiple stuff. He does the Open, he's Greg
2: Allman, he's in the um, Minute Mystery, he's got Update. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff with him. Well, the Ambassador Training Institute, yeah, I thought that was funny, actually. Um, ambassadors, what was it? When he said, and he goes, you don't have to pick
1: up after yourself. Then we have Robert Klein, and I, I can't stop my leg. I was like,
2: if he goes, let's have some blues. I go, is this gonna be? I can't stop my leg.
1: And I saw his leg go up, into, I, and I
2: was like, is this? I can't So this is Robert Klein's like signature
1: bit. Is is I can't stop my leg. He plays. He plays the harmonica. Is he? I don't know if he's. Playing, he's actually playing. Okay, he's playing the, okay, yes, he's playing the yes. harmonica. And he does this blues where he's just, he just keeps, I can't stop my leg. And in the back, you see Paul Schaefer. Uh, you see the the Blues Brothers Band. So I Can't Stop My
2: Leg has become such an iconic part of Robert Klein's routine. Like, I don't, like, think about all of his different HBO specials. They've done different arrangements of I Can't Stop My They did I Can't Stop My Leg on Broadway, where he had Broadway dancers come out and dance with him. They've done, uh... Like various where, where arrangements where he's done it, where he like stops and they segue into something else, and then it comes back to "I can't stop my leg." So this is like a very germation beginning version of "I can't stop my leg." My stop can't stop my leg, which is something he has done for another forty years. Yes,
1: I was just smiling through the whole thing. It's not that long.
2: No, because this is the very beginning of
1: him doing this. Yeah. then we go to Abba. Yep, Abba. We get another Abba Waterloo song. We get Waterloo. Waterloo big Abba song, yep, which has to do with
2: the Titanic. So this is where I was figuring they must have taped both of these together be, and then they just split them and showed a bit different parts cuz they're still doing the bit with the water. Right.
1: Um, on spraying on Robert right. Right, those were Abba might not even been there. They might no,
2: have, no, 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 no. You could see Abba and Robert Klein in the same shot?
1: No, they might they might have done that earlier.
2: Oh oh you mean like taped it well They might have
1: taped it earlier. Abba might not have even been there that night.
2: Right, 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 right.
1: Because you never see because they don't at the end when nowadays it's the host and the whole cast and the musical guests, right. they didn't do that. It was just Robert Klein at the end of this. So you didn't see any you didn't see anybody with Robert Klein. He came out, he was in a bathrobe. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Did you ever see Muriel's wedding, the
2: movie Muriel's wedding mm-hmm. with Tony Collette? an Australian movie I haven't seen it so Waterloo is there's this big thing with where they are resort in New Zealand and Tony Collette meets this girl and they perform in the resort talent show and they do Waterloo and they're wearing those costumes that they're basically wearing in the show so if you're a fan of Muriel's wedding a fan of ABBA you'll you'll ABBA
1: had they had specific the two women like cats yeah I I, those are iconic outfits that they would wear they were kind of these
2: spacey '70s, and dysto-y. for Abba,
1: so they were two married couples at the time. Right. They they divorced, but it was just like we're not giving up the Abba money train. So like during their run as Abba, they started off as married, they divorced, but they they stuck together. Right. And Abba is one of the most successful bands well, of sure. all time.
2: Well, I mean, and their music, they really sort of also were forerunners into the what they call the jukebox musicals now mm-hmm. so uh where they take a catalog of pop music and turn it into a broadway musical so all that abba music turned into uh Mamma mia, mia. which is a broadway show and a movie and a sequel of a movie and super fun
1: you, ABBA, abba shows are super fun but that was it robert klein came out said good night after they they didn't even sing the the whole song of waterloo they only it was only a couple of minutes uh he comes out good night ladies and gentlemen I am boy Ba-da-da-da. and we don't even usually they Dom put Bart-
2: a they put a caption over ABBA that I think was supposed to be a joke but but it was like is that a joke yeah. saying that their music didn't show up and they were lip-syncing
1: so and I was like I think that's supposed to be a joke It though. was. it was something that didn't it didn't work so but that was the fifth episode of Saturday Night Live from the first season it's it's very very dated the next season is the next episode is Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. <laughs> I like Robert Klein. It's, it's, to me, it's fun to see the the beginnings of Saturday Night Live, just how they were, what they were throwing against the wall to see what would stick and what didn't. Uh, Robert Klein's a little
2: overactory or big sometimes. But watching him now, I was like, God, did I, did I always remember him being that like over the top but it fits you know he's still absolutely one of my I got to see Robert Klein in a play when I lived in Chicago Eric Bogosian has a trio uh, a trilogy of plays and the last one is called Grillers and Robert Klein played the lead played the father in Grillers and so I got to see him in that and he was awesome I got, I got to meet him after I stood in the lobby and waited for him to come out and you know got to oh, Robert Klein, oh. You know, but uh, so yeah, I, I, I adore Robert Klein. I just watched him on an episode of a rerun of King of Queens, where he, he he takes over the bar that they all go to, and you know he pops up on Law and Order as an attorney every once in a while. So
1: he's he's still still going strong. This it's an okay episode. It it's got some funny parts. If you've got
2: Peacock and you want to watch, SN- they've got all. 50 seasons yep. of of saturday night live on peacock so, so snl is pretty proprietary about their stuff so you people if people post stuff on youtube they take it down they take it down
1: immediately yeah
2: it's got to be through snl's channel mm-hmm. on there's a lot of stuff a lot there of contact, is a lot of stuff but it's through snl's channel or but like i said if you've got peacock you can watch full episodes or hulu i think through hulu
1: too Hulu yeah you can watch it through Hulu but you have to have like you gotta special, have the membership you gotta yeah, have the premium. membership
2: or oh, Hulu live you gotta have Hulu live Hulu Live,
1: that's what you gotta have I'm a big fan of Robert Klein I enjoyed seeing him I wish he was in it more I wish there was like I think the the Robert Lowden could have been taken out completely L- the Loudon, w- Loudon- Wainwright. Wainwright take him out completely two songs by ABBA one monologue by Robert Klein you know, a couple more sketches with him. So funny because
2: at the time, but I
1: don't think they might not have had the sketches written. So, and they, and they only had four shows before it. So they, they, I don't think they wanted to start. They weren't even calling
2: it Saturday Night Live then. No,
1: that's right. It was NBC Saturday Night Night because Howard Cosell had Howard Cosell Saturday Night Live, which had Bill Murray on it. And when that show failed, they were able to call it Saturday Night Live. And then Bill Murray came over from that show to replace Jimmy Chase.
2: The, um, I, you know, at the time I loved, I thought Chevy Chase was so funny and handsome. And, oh my gosh, I love Chevy Chase. And I hate, I hate getting older and then finding out stuff about people you like that are, you finding out that they're kind of assholes and, you know, I, I hate knowing that. I, I hope, I hope, you know. From what
1: I gather, Ackroyd, Dan Aykroyd was the glue. Right. That held things together. Everybody could work with Dan. So he would be peacemaker when he had to be.
2: That makes sense. He seems to work with a lot of people. Seems like people like to work with him. He gets invited to, you know, do little special projects and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, he's always
1: doing a cameo in a movie yeah. like for a friend. Or yeah. I, we did. Will and I did Evolution, Ivan Reitman's directing. Right. I'm sure he called Dan. Dan, you want to play the governor? Which he did. Right. And he's the best part of the movie. Right. All right, so that's it um it's like it's on pica it, these episodes are out there robert klein class it, it, the, the collection of robert klein
2: uh uh hbo specials is really good that's where you really get to see robert klein stand up it's great um and, and just see how it grows you know he's he's good he's uh I, I definitely put him in that same class as like carlin and i would know. too
1: like I said, it's always, it's really interesting to see how Saturday Night Live started. Yeah, to see compare Dan it, Aykroyd. Compare it now until then. It, it, it's, it's really, really interesting. Well, even as
2: Dan Aykroyd finds characters that works for himself and, and, and like, we're, you know, as they start developing reoccurring characters or, you know, themes and things like that, because Dan Aykroyd eventually would would be the one who started really getting into those commercial parodies. Yes. You know.
1: Because he had the persona for it. Right. Um All right, that's it. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast, and we'll see everybody here next time.
0: To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. For the time. I love this bathrobe they got me. They apparently picked it up from a state institution. <laughs> it was owned by an old guy who went like this. I want to thank everyone. Our guests, Abba, Loudon, write the cast, and everyone. Have a good week. And thank Back you for me! watching.